What's up, Roadrunners and Bobcats? Welcome to the Alamo Audible Podcast. This is your host and producer, Jared Kamas, joined by my co-host, Adrian Bermudez. Adrian, the rivalry juices are starting to flow. Mm. I've seen more and more smack talk on Twitter, most of it being your post. How are you feeling leading into this very special Saturday for the I-35 robbery? I'm feeling excited, man. I'm feeling juiced up. I'm really, really into rivalry mode. It took a few days to recover from the Houston loss, but... Sure enough, once the Twitter pages started ramping up, once I saw some Texas State guys uh, running their mouths a little bit too much, yeah, it felt like rivalry week again, baby. And I, and I go back and I think of all of the rivalry weeks that we've had with uh, Texas State over the years. And, you know, it, it never fails. It never fails to get electric on the social medias. It never fails to be electric uh, in the parking lots, on the concourse, and on the field, man. It's It's a fantastic game. It's good for both schools. And I'm juiced for it, dude. I'm juiced. I'm ready to go whip the Bobcats and uh, put them back into their place. The fall from grace is uh, its not going to be easy for Texas State this weekend. But, um, hey, what what better school than for Big Brother to put them back into their place, UTSA? I can't say I'm surprised, but um, I guess, like, the level of – maybe just, like, the lack of, I guess, respect – that Texas State fans are giving to a program that won 23 games in the past two years mm. is a little mind-blowing to me. And we've we've been there before as G5 fans. You get that first Power 5 win, and it's huge. It feels like it's a, a new leaf turned over, and you know, there's all these new opportunities that are right in front of you. Uh, but I feel like Texas State fans kind of forgot that UTSA is a pretty freaking damn good football team. Mm. And I so. I, I, I've read and heard and seen a lot of Bobcat fans that really sound like they think this is going to be a walk in the park and they're going to breeze past UTSA because in their mind, we beat Baylor, they're power five. Why, why are we not going to beat UTSA? Uh, UTSA is probably a better team than Baylor right now. It's a, uh small-minded Texas State fan, right? They've never been here before. It's their first time. They don't know how to win and how to keep winning. They don't know how to behave whenever you get into this room. It's a different room. It's a different class. And uh, school will be in session in the Alamo Dome on Saturday. I guarantee it. This UTSA team has a lot to make up for. But they don't have a damn thing that they need to prove against Texas State. They're going to go out there and they're going to do what it does. And five and zero in the rivalry series is the inevitable outcome this Saturday. Sorry to spoil our pick alerts, but uh, <laughs> the thing that I thought you were going to say that you didn't was Texas State doesn't know not to eat the cheese. This mm. is the first time Texas State's ever had cheese on their plate, <laughs> and I think they're gorging on it. I think they are absolutely tilting their chin under the cheese fondue fountain and just going nuts on that cheese. We'll see how they come out on Saturday. So hungry for so long, Jared. I mean, I get it, you know, right. I'm not blaming them. I I would be doing the same thing. hundred percent, hundred percent. But the lack of perspective that I've seen from Texas state fans has been 
entertaining, I guess. We'll see how we'll see how Saturday goes. Maybe I like right. that you went with entertaining and not shocking or surprising because you really can't be surprised. Not, it's not. It's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> right, right. No, man. I think um, no, man. They're they're in for a good old dose of the humble Kool Aid, and we're gonna be here to give it to them, dude. And uh, yeah, I know they like to uh, get down and, and what is it uh, you do with the wine cooler? Slap the bag. Slap. <laughs> slapping bags, that humble juice, baby. Get humbled <laughs> in the Alamo Dome on Saturday. Yeah, dude. Uh, but it's good for the rivalry. It it's is good that it's, Texas it's State It's good for is, college football. Yeah. It's good that Texas State has beat Baylor because it does raise the stakes into the rivalry game happening the very next week. Um, and on the same side, you know, UTSA losing to Houston and now these two teams are meeting and, and there's a lot more narrative behind it. There's a lot more excitement behind it. Uh, for some people, there's a lot more unknown behind it. Jared and I know what's going to happen, but for a lot of people, there's some unknown behind it. And I think it's fantastic to stoke that rivalry fire. And uh, the I-35 showdown, man, it makes its triumphant return to the gridiron. And we've got a long series coming up with Texas State. And that's, I think, the way that it should be. These two mm -hmm. teams should always have a rivalry game with each other each and every season. And um, it's fantastic that it's back. The I-35 trophy will remain in San Antonio. Ticket sales have been nuts. I'm looking at the ticket map right now. It uh, We're recording this at about 9.45 p.m. on Wednesday, September 6th. I would say right now there have already been as many, if not more tickets sold for this game than there were for like UTSA's last two conference championship games. The mm. crowd's going to be nuts. Obviously, Texas State fans are going to show up. They're going to travel. They're hyped. That's great. I love that for them. It's going to be an awesome atmosphere. But what do you make of these claims on social media that it's going <laughs> to be a neutral site game? A maroon and gold Alamo Dome? <laughs> you must be outside of your mind. like. Texas State, I think, maybe brings, I don't know, 7K? I feel like that's a pretty high number. That's a lot, dude. That's a hell of a lot of people. That's a round of applause, for sure. hell of a lot of people. And they can generate noise at 7K. I am not going to discount that. Alamo Dome, you can generate noise with 4K, 5K. Yeah. So... But at the end of the day, there's going to be 35,000 UTSA fans to the 7,000 Bobcat fans. Like, yeah, they're going to be out there. That's cool. But it's 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 the Alamo Dome. It's UTSA's home turf. What I'm really, really excited about is that this is going to be probably a top five attended game in UTSA history, mm -hmm. breaking that 40,000 number and maybe even more than that. Um another game on the top 10 attendance list for UTSA in the Alamo Dome is the first matchup against Texas State. And I think that's just awesome. I think it shows yeah. how much excitement and how good for both programs and, and good for the venue that this game is because you get to bring out that massive consensus of Texas State fans that all live around the San Antonio area or just 30 minutes up the road in San Marcos. So it's going to be an unbelievable atmosphere in there. It's going to be hostile, right? It's going to be a very, very anxious crowd in there, man. And uh, I'm quite heartbroken that I'm not going to be at that game. Not because 
like if I could choose any game to go to this season in the Alamodome, it would have to be the Texas State game. No, 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 no. But for that attendance, for that atmosphere, for there to be 43,000 people in the Alamo Dome, to not be there for that, I am extremely bummed out about. Well, I will carry your spirit on in our mm. season ticket seats. I will bang on our middle sign you for you. Bang that sign, brother. You better bang the hell out of that I sign. Know. I know. I'm going to have to find someone to, to, you know, replace your fist and banging that guy for sure. The tickets, the tickets that, uh, my my tickets that that I gave to a to a UTSA colleague, a fellow alum of mine. I told him I only have one rule. You bang that damn sign. Yeah, you bang it worry. with all I'll, of your I'll life. coach him. Yeah. <laughs> there is an art to it. There's an art to the sign bang. Absolutely. Well, folks, this is not a full episode. We already did a full Texas State preview. We did a full Houston recap this week. We also had a volleyball interview on our non-football feed, on just the regular Alma Audible podcast feed. We also had a Patreon mailbag on Patreon. This is our fourth podcast of the week, and it is an interview with the host of the Squaring Around podcast. This is the Texas State podcast on the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football podcast network. Mm. And we brought on the co-host Andrew and Jacob to get their take on the rivalry, to get their take on Texas State's upset over Baylor, and folks, these guys are feeling very confident, very confident. I think it'll be mm. an entertaining listen for you to say fans to say the least. I think we can leave it at that. <laughs> we'll jump into the interview. <laughs> Enjoy, guys. What's up, guys? We are joined by Jacob Rodriguez and Andrew Zimmel of the Square and Around podcast. Yes, live from the Square, San Marcos, Texas, San Marvelous or uh, San Mucus, whatever you want to call it. But yes, try, try saying that with a straight face here for the I-35 quote unquote rivalry that UTSA is undefeated in for the fifth time meeting on the gridiron. These two teams Yes, indeed. So to give us the lowdown on the 40-burger against Baylor, Texas State Bobcats, we've got the square and around, boys. We really appreciate y'all hopping on with us, guys. The energy shift is, like, incredible. That was so What the hell is that? We we just recorded our show, and it was very pleasant. That was such a good intro. I love that. The rivalry (laughs) juices are flowing. They're flowing, man. It just happens. You know, it's organic. Whenever these two teams meet up, it's an organic rivalry, and that's the way it should be. Check you that know? guy's window. He's got a bed sheet out of it. <laughs> Adrian's a rivalry guy. Like, I, just, I don't know. I like, really get that fired up for them. Like, the UNT games, Texas State games, are, they're fun, right, for sure. But it's just like it doesn't, like, really raise, like, the goosebumps on my arm like it did when I was younger, I guess. I don't really know why. You get more excited for like the X's and O's matchups and stuff. Well, I think in baseball, that that series is crazy now. Like Pat Hallmark got ejected last year because he couldn't handle yeah. the heat. Oh, that Freaking was so loser. good, man. He that did was that so at good. home, too. Hell, boy. 
<laughs> and then y'all beat the shit out of us in San Marcos in baseball last year. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Sucks. So, well, my first question for you guys, I'm going to throw you on softball. Uh, mm. When, not if, when Texas State qualifies for the first ever bowl game, what bowl tie-in that the Sun Belt has are you guys looking forward to the most? The national championship. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> the college football playoffs. He was no, number I mean, one. I don't know, man. I to play in the Cure Bowl to win a to win the conference championship. I think would be absolutely incredible. Um, to to, to play in a bowl game like that. The Sunbelt has such weird bowl tie-ins too. That's the other thing. Is that like it's kind They're of looking for two more? Yeah. So you know, I can't wait for the downy quicker picker upper uh, bowl <laughs> that the Sunbelt is able to pull together. You know what I mean? I, I've always said that I think that the OnlyFans bowl is going to be a good one for Texas State, but you know, they, we still haven't been able to connect that contract yet. It'll no, probably, I, I the, it'll probably be sponsored by mostly alumni alumni from Texas State. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you got that right, baby. The one person they always take off my Mount Rushmore, famous Texas State alums, is Alexis Texas. I don't know why. Nobody's yeah. proud of that one. Where's the OnlyFans bowl? Yeah, we have like, Christian where would XXX it be? Las on Vegas. Duh. No one, no one ever gets Christian XXS as credit for for famous UTSA alumni. What's up with that? I don't know. I know <laughs> you got to you got to really be on the dark web to know that one. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't look it up. Don't look it up. More people, <laughs> more people have seen her than she's they've seen LBJ. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> That's true. That's fair. <laughs> But there's no bowl game series that I keep up with more than the Cure Bowl. I'll tell you that right now. Big Cure Bowl guy. <laughs> I think kidding, it's totally within reach for you guys this year. Yeah, for you sure. Think that we could win the Sun Belt this year. I think I could win y'all's division and go to a conference championship. It's not unprecedented for a relatively weaker Sun Belt West team to win the championship game against the team from the East that's just gotten battered to hell against that like doomsday of a division. Right. This is true. This is true. I so, like where your head's at with that. You uh, got to get to the game first, and then anything can happen. Yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, ULM I, beat Army yes or last week, so you know that doesn't count. That's a beating messed beating up my the arm, sir. Bro, look, <laughs> look. The Taliban beat the armed services. Why do I care that ULM can do it? Now, Baylor Listen, couldn't beat the Air Force Academy last year in a bowl game. That's true. Uh, look, no, I think that. <laughs> I have a lot of respect for the Sun Belt West. I, I think that South Alabama, Southern Miss, and Troy is a gauntlet. Um, if Texas State's offense can do what GJ Kenny and most of the uh, Texas State fan base thinks that they can do, then yeah, I mean, sure, we're playing um, JMU or Marshall or who's somebody else, right? In in, in the uh, in the Sun Belt Championship game. At the same time, though, I'm going to play the conservative side of things. Say this is a six and six team. And, you know, we are eking into a bowl game. And, hey, if we're playing in a bowl game, Texas State fans are going to be there. So that that's really what matters most. So you bring up G.J. Kinney. Let's go right into him. Uh, whenever the hire was made, what was y'all's initial temperature? I mean, it's not you know, Kendall Bryles. That was that was my number one. It's not yeah, that name got thrown out really game. late in the coaching search, and me and Zimmel were like, "Red flag, red flag, anything but this." God damn it! Well, you get his offense, but arguably better with Kenny. So, like, why why would you even deal with that potential baggage? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's no, Mac exactly. left, which is the brains behind that whole operation, right? You could go mm -hmm. back into the the season he wasn't, or Mac was there at UIW, but Kenny wasn't. He was at UCF still, and you know that offense was still cooking. So. And I 
And I'll say this, like getting to know GJ Kenny like better now, like you see him at UIW, you watch him in the FCS playoffs against North Dakota State, which allegedly, you know, he thinks that they should have won. If you watch the game, a lot of people thought that they should should have won that game and potentially played for a uh, FCS championship last year. Getting to know him better, getting to know that he's a little baby fan, going on eBay and buying five of his rookie cards. um, I can tell you right now, He's a he's a badass. He's kind of just like a cool hang. And Spavadol and I had a really good relationship, I think at least. Uh, maybe he'll disagree with me. I thought we had a really good relationship because we'd go to Chimmy's at after those coaches shows and we would talk about all like the rest of college football, kind of just like hanging out. Whereas like there wasn't GJ, anything else to talk about. Well, I think GJ is kind of like I that like I don't think he'd talk to me because he's too cool, you know, which is fine. I'm fine with that. I'm nowhere my social standing is. Um, he's such a, like, he's, he's a badass man. I love him. I think he's like a good personality fit for Texas State as well. That's what I'm you picking up. I mean? Yeah. He's so exactly San Marcos. Yeah. 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 Like young, fun, good looking guy. Now let's Spav not go just, too far. Spav, Spav like seems. He's a great looking guy. What are you talking about, Zim? That dude looks tired, bro. I told him to buy concealer. I said those bags are ten pounds, bro. I know he was insulted. He was like, "What the He's, hell?" I don't know. He doesn't he be feel like he lives I mean, the same marvelous be, lifestyle. They shouldn't be running him out there at eight p.m. in front of eight thousand freshmen. The guy's recruiting at the wazoo. He's teaching a guy how to play quarterback. Like, you know, teaching a new offense. Like, just let the guy rest. Don't be having him in front of freshman orientation. We don't pay him enough for that. <laughs> was he Dean Martin? Yeah, I think people are going to look back on this as like the best hire in Texas State's history. It's crazy. It's great. Even now, like we have him technically on a budget right now. His first season, he's getting paid $800,000 a year. Texas State goes to a bowl game on that salary alone. That's amazing. Best for sure. Best hiring in all of college football, honestly. And I got in trouble because I said that Texas State puts out like teachers and losers. Everybody got really upset at me because, but my point was, it's not like we're putting out Warren Buffett's like, it's not like we, we have like a bunch of like really rich people who are coming through, but I'll tell you what, if GJ Kenny said, if we win the Sun Belt and win a bowl game, right. And like, you know, we're building a statue outside the front and he says, guess what? I'm going to go to Tulane or I'm going to go to Houston or whatever, because they're going to pay me more money. I guarantee you right now, Tech State fans would find money. They they turn over the couches. They they'd find they mortgage their homes. They'd find a way to keep GJ in town if he wins a bowl game because that's something that's unprecedented, not never been done before. And uh, Texas State fans would inter like we would we would say find a way to pay this guy if that means we're making the freshmen live in tents, make it happen. If that means that the they're making the parking passes more expensive, jack up those prices because we got to keep them here. Rev up those fryers. Yeah. And you kind of answered my question for me because I was going to ask, you know, how those resources look at Texas State if DJ well, has fire. that unprecedented success? They're fine. You know? they're fine. I mean, it's one of those things like you already, like, we already have a stadium. Our, our beautiful president has already done a really good job of like squeezing us for money every time he gets like a chance, which is the right thing to do. That's his job. Tell us, like, hey, continue to support Texas State. Uh, sales the ticket sales have gone through the roof for season tickets after that win against baylor i i I dm'd him and i said hey shout out to you guys for like really pushing these ticket sales he said yeah it's working so shout out to him for that uh dude like i mean it's great i'm like when texas state wins which has never happened before in the history of like time and space 
like at the FBS level, like I, there's a real shot here that we can churn some money, which is the name of the game. But I think the big change for Texas state is you guys suddenly have a university president who cares at all about athletics. Mm. And when you have a president that cares about athletics, there's always money in the banana stand, right? Like <laughs> you got 40,000 students paying, you know, 30 K in tuition over their time at school. There's a way to find a guy to get what he needs if you really, really want to. So to me, that's the biggest difference maker as I'm a, a outside perspective. I'm a Trout defender too, because I had, a great, I, had a, oh. I had a great relationship with Dr. Trout. I wasn't the only one of the only journalists that really talked to her uh, like all the time, pretty much anytime I needed to talk to her, I talked to her. And I think what, what is the real difference? Is it an AD who doesn't care or is it a president who doesn't care? Because one of those the guys AD, jobs the AD is doesn't to care, care about athletics. Care. The AD reports to the president. Well, the president's not doing their job, but the AD doesn't care. Well, I don't know. It was it was a cabal of mediocrity yeah. that was finally broken up. Now, shout out to Trout because she cared about the things that like he invested a lot of money into about. the infrastructure. Yeah. Yes. She she built uh she built new buildings, she built new parking lots, everything outside of athletics she did really well at, except for race relations. Um but <laughs> And that, you know, what the hell does that have to do? Whatever. Huh? Well, I mean, who amongst <laughs> us as university presidents hasn't had a snafu, right? That's true. Uh, Kelly Dampus has been the opposite of that in that he cares so much about athletics, but he cares about all the other stuff, too. Like he makes it all work. So uh, TJ Finley had his debut as a Bobcat last week, and I don't know if he set any program records. I have to imagine that he did with this insane showing against Baylor, uh, one of the top quarterbacks in the whole country with his performance last week. It's just really nuts. But I actually wanted to ask you guys about the quarterback that's behind him. So mm -hmm. when Malik Hornsby signed with Texas State, I was like, that is a weapon. One of the best athletes in the country, I would argue. But I didn't really notice him on the field against Baylor. So I'm kind of curious, like, do you guys want to see Malik get into the offense or is it kind of like this is like you don't want to mess up something that's working well right andrew take it away buddy all right now i said that if you have two quarterbacks you don't have one quarterback i've been very against the platoon system so in that baylor game i said now i was wrong about the quarterback but i said to the baylor guys uh between two bears i was like i don't want to see two quarterbacks i want texas state to roll malik hornsby out there keep the game close enough that we don't see finley now i got the name wrong i should have said finley don't show me malik and we ended up winning. So it was it was a big I, it was huge to me that we, we had to lead at any point in that game is the first big win. The second big win is that we didn't throw. All right, we'll throw. We'll see what Malik looks like in the second half. Like like we go into halftime. We have a scripted play. We're going to have him run the offense in the second half. They went into halftime with a lead and said, hey, we're going to try to win this game. And it goes to the UTSA game this week. I like Malik Hornsby from all reports. He seems like a very upstanding individual. He said everything that what he needed to be said this week, like, Hey, I'm good with being the backup. Like I'm going to try to make this team win everything a fan wants to hear. I don't want to see him against UTSA. I want, I want TJ Finley to go into the Alamo dome and win. I don't want to see him. Cause if we see him, that means UTSA has a big enough lead that they're like, well, we got to see what the next guy has. We got it. We got to know what we have before going into conference. There's a shot here that UTSA, this this is the first win that Texas State beats UTSA. That's huge. But there's a shot here that Texas State goes 4-0 in their non-conference. This past week in the top 25, 
4-0 in non-conference, going into conference play at 4-0. Texas State might get a top 25. They might be number 25 in that AP ranking, which would be the biggest week in Texas State football history. Outside of winning a national championship, getting ranked in the top 25 would be massive for this program. So, yeah, I don't want to see Billy Corsby. If, t- if Finley's working, I don't want to see him. Let, let him what? Let him cook. So how dedicated oh, how dedicated are you to the one quarterback system if TJ Finley's having a terrible game? What if he's what if he's throwing three, gotta three let first him, half gotta interceptions? Got to let him learn. Got to yeah. let him learn. I learned he, this he, lesson he showed himself with uh, to be too talented. You don't don't mess with his head like that, right? I learned this lesson with Brady and uh, Tyler Vitt when we were trying to figure out who was yep. going to be the starting quarterback, yep. and it was like it was such a pain in the ass to come in every week with Jacob and argue who should be the starting quarterback because mm. we didn't have any. We didn't have a starting quarterback. It's not baseball. It's not basketball where you have a really good six man. It's football. You got one quarterback and everybody else. So just stick with your one guy. Now, if something happens to Finley, he breaks a nail or whatever, and we got to throw Hornsby out there because he's like, you know, more healthy. That's a completely different story. But if TJ Finley's healthy, that's the guy I want to see under center. And the Sunbelt this week just announced that TJ Finley was their Sunbelt offensive player of the week that's the first time that's happened since 2021 when tyler vitt was named the same thing mm. so it was vitt the entire time basically i was right for many years and i didn't even know it i i can tell you from the utsa side we saw Vit in that 2020 game and like utsa passed on Vit. he was a san antonio kid antonio MacArthur. Yep. And man, we we were pretty concerned that we made a poor choice and not offering that guy and then texas state just kind of let him would have been pretty healthy or helpful if you know your quarterback had like seven knee surgeries or something. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, d- I definitely agree with that. But I was kind of thinking you can kind of use Hornsby outside of the quarterback position, like slot receiver. I hate pitch, that though. Like when somebody something. really wants to be a quarterback, and then you're like yeah. Lamar Jackson. They're like you know, like it's. I hate well, it's that. worked for Rice with Luke McCaffrey, so that's kind of what I had in mind. Yeah. For Hornsby, Texas State. Yeah, Christian. And they had a they have a guy right? in Rice, you know, yeah. JT Daniels, who people think shouldn't ever be a quarterback you know like stop playing football oh jt jt daniels was like the number one quarterback prospect in his class wasn't and he? then what happened Zim? can i ask you that okay i'm just saying he was a great high school quarterback um i would be curious to see that you know what if they, if they want to put malik cornsby out there as like a wildcat situation that'd be i would be really curious what that looks like mm-hmm. um but you know we saw finley run in a score against baylor so, I mean, all of these allegations that he wasn't a very, like, athletic guy. Like, I heard a lot of po- pocket passer talk. Looked pretty uh, pretty mobile to me. And, Jared, you were yeah. asking about different records that may have been broken. I don't think TJ Finley had a passing record, but I have a text thread from our head SID, Chris Coots from Texas State. The longest rush by a Bobcat was made by Calvin Hill <laughs> on Saturday. Biggest halftime lead since App. Most halftime points since uh, 2020 ULM, 40 plus points. The last time we scored 40 plus points was like in 2018. It's crazy. Just like the statistical numbers that we put up against in Baylor to show that GJ Kinney's like offense, repowered, rejuvenated, whatever you want to say. It's true. Yeah. And it's bad. all supposed to be the offensive genius too. So it's not like you're coming from like a defensive minded coach. Yeah. So yeah, it just goes to show how big of a difference it is with Kinney there. We got sold a false bill of goods. We're still trying to talk to the IRS about that. We were we yeah. were bamboozled. Honestly, we? Better Business Bureau, get on the case, man. What the hell is that? Pretty much. What for? We should have known something was up when we started running like uh, what was it curls on like first and fifteen? Ooh, 
Why are we running this? Why are we running comebacks? Oh, hey, what's going down. on? How fun. So, besides the play of Finley, what surprised you the most? What stuck out to you the most in the win over Baylor? The Baylor fans leaving early. <laughs> I, I, the yellow line left. It was crazy. I Whatever saw the halftime shot. I was laughing. Watching yeah. those kids leave the stadium sad made me so happy. Like, I, there's a thing in sports, and for lack of a better word, it's called the sports boner, that you just get real excited to see something. And I am such a miserable fan. Texas State has caused me so much misery over the last, like, eight years. To see other people leave a stadium early because my team is kicking their ass just made me so happy. Like, I, there's no I, – I, if you can't distill it into a better joy than that. I was so great. I loved it. We've, we've had entirely too many sexual references on this podcast episode. That is insane at this point. What about on the field? What gave you a boner that happened on the field? I mean, I'm the just- the running game, to answer, I guess, the question, the running game really impressed me. I didn't think that the running game would be where it was uh, against Baylor because of how much bigger their defensive line should have been. But this is something that I thought I saw a lot in week one was that the weight and the heights don't really matter. It's more of like the fight in some of these guys. And I know that that's like a cliche, but the offensive line for Texas state was doing whatever they wanted to the Baylor defensive line. And that was something that really surprised me. And that opened up running holes and the running game looked really good. And that's something that, for GJ going forward, you can't have a passing game without a running game. I think that he knows that. So to be able to move Hill around in the backfield, it, that's going to be important as the season continues. Nick says offensive line is pretty pretty huge, man. He got some high standards. They like like two, 325, 350 a pop across the line. They're big guys. Had, I mean, that's a concern. We've had big say. guys in the past. We we've had like hmm. bigger dudes, and that they just didn't. It didn't for whatever reason. It didn't work out. So. Uh, that's why I'm saying like I, the, the height and weight stuff is just kind of like, yeah, no, that's important. But you know, I, and we've, we talked about this before an FCS offensive lineman maybe is more important than an FCS wide receiver or quarterback at this point. Like I think that the tra- it translates better maybe because uh, the FCS offensive lineman that we've seen the past couple of weeks that have played FBS now, like this season, they look, they look incredible. They look like they, they fit right in. Your point to Zim, like it was plug and play with uh, Lindsey Scott Jr. He was on his what fifth stop when he got to UIW. Didn't matter. It was like just get in, get behind center. It's fine. You got that grown man strength. They're all like fifth, six year seniors. It makes a big difference for sure. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like 300 plus pounders on offensive lines out there that are not strong. They're not in good shape. They're just fat. I don't think I don't think Texas Tech guys are fat. I think they are. It's, they're grown. it's the biggest secret that the fat guy community, myself included, keeps hidden is that we're not strong. We're just fat guys. <laughs> Speaking of strength, though, I, I was just and it was so impressed with the way Texas State was able to play in the backfield on defense against Baylor. Like I know Baylor was like replacing their whole offensive line and stuff, but it shouldn't matter if you're a power five. You're supposed to win in the trenches against a G five. That's just like one of the universal truths of this sport that we tell ourselves, but they had 10 tackles for loss, three sacks. It just literally felt like Baylor could not do anything to run the ball. Who are some of the guys in that Texas state front that UTC fans should, it should kind of circle their programs to look out for on Saturday. 
uh well it used to be really easy you could just see like a wave like a flash of red and you're like oh shit ben bell's pressuring right now uh that guy's insane so is brian mm-hmm. holloway uh they both had insane games on saturday um i think brian uh ben bell had like three or four sacks if you want to call yeah. them that in the spring game that was crazy yeah so. tech transfer mm-hmm. yeah you know, the spring game stats are the ones that we care the most about on this podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Marooning goal like, game. He could have killed our quarterback. That's important. Keep yep. keep that guy in the ledger. Well, it, it, the spring game, too, it doesn't even matter at this point because TJ wasn't even there. You know, it's like BTJ and ATJ now as a program. I know. It's, it's kind of like you go to high school and there's a party and it's like, wait, the coolest guy, the school's not there. Doesn't really matter. Anybody Shut this down. There. Yeah. What about areas of concern? I know y'all lost two fumbles there in the backfield. Any anything stick out that gives you a little worry? Ooh, that's a good question. It's weird because like we're riding so high on on this Baylor win. So thank you for like you know deflating that balloon. Mm-hmm. Areas of concern. Uh, TJ Finley for whatever reason trying to punch the ball. That was a concern to me. Like, had, like he three kinda... drops in that game. Yeah, well, yeah, he yeah, recovered he, a couple. That's mm-hmm. actually, you know what, Florizuras, Jacob, because you we were excellent earlier today on Texas Live about the drop. So the floor is yours. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the biggest disappointment, honestly, has to be our star receiver, Ashton Hawkins, dropping the ball. The second biggest disappointment is TJ Finley dropping the ball three times. But I was, if you, you could have asked me anything in that game, I would have told you Ashton Hawkins is going to have the best game. Joey Hobart actually led us on, on uh, receptions for the like game. And then he had that one touchdown. It's crazy. I mean, yeah, please, please introduce the UTSA fans to Mr. Joe Dirt. Man, that guy, if you haven't seen him dance, get it. <laughs> it's really bad when a white receiver starts dancing on you, I think. Dude, white receiver, no gloves. I <laughs> he might be guy. generational. Utah yeah, Tech transfer, Joey Herbert, who was an All-American uh, last year. Joey Herbert, uh, yeah. And uh, he led. Where did he transfer from, do you know? Utah Tech. Utah Tech, man, that's Yeah, if you had asked so me, hey, where do you know, where is Utah Tech? I wouldn't even be able to tell you what town that is. Uh, the artist formerly known as Dixie State, but was also in Utah. Yeah, classic. Absolutely classic. State? What? Yeah, they just changed their name like three years ago, I want to say. It's yeah. about time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anytime you hear Dixie State, you, you think they're in Georgia, Mississippi or something. Nope, they're they're in Utah. Are you that, guys? That actually makes it so much worse. Are yeah. you guys come and take it flag? Uh, like so much worse. And- Oh Ask where we were defenders. Okay. Yeah, are you are you come and take it flag defenders? Do you guys like that UTSA branding? I don't mind it. I'm not a defender of it. Like when they killed it, I was like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, it was fine whenever they killed it. But it was also really, really cool when it was here. You know, it like it felt more special when UTSA was the only school doing it, but it's been co-opted so much now. It's like Texas State had the very tiny version on their jersey last year. It's like AM did it for a while. Yeah. We, so got, like, yeah, you know. we got bit all over the place. The city of Gonzalez gave UTSA the blessing to do that. They didn't give oh, it to any other sick. schools. Yeah. But I didn't um, know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mayor went there and christened with Lynn Hickey and Coker back at the very first when they first wanted to start rocking it. And then, you know, they got to incorporate with their own logo and colors into it. It, it was cool while it lasted. Yeah, I think a lot of people had fun with it. But that's man, that's like long forgotten history at this point in our in our short 12 year tenure. Right, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any particular matchups on the field that you guys think are like super favorable for Texas State in this game? What's UTC? DJ Kenny versus Trailer. <laughs> it's Anakin and Obi Wan. That's that's <laughs> gonna be 
that'll be the most interesting one is that if, if GJ comes out and because we talked to him before the season and we were like, hey, you play your brother week one, you play your mentor week two. And he kind of was kind of shrugged it off. But I really do believe that he's a competitive guy. And I think that if UTSA and trailer and, and I think trailer will come with his best game. I think this will be the best offensive game plan that he comes with in this early in the non-conference schedule for UTSA, because I really do believe that there is going to be a, uh, a battle of the minds when it comes to film study, when it comes, cause this is not just Texas state and UTSA. There is like legitimately rivalry here because if GJ beats trailer, then he's going to have a year of being like, Hey man, remember when you, and I, I beat you because we all have that. We all have that with a, a, a per, another person in our life and in coaching is no different. So I, I'm going to go with my guy. I'm going to say that Kenny's going to be able to out coach trailer, but it wouldn't shock me if it was the other way around. You know what I mean? Like, so that, that to me is the most interesting matchup. There was a really interesting quote. I think it was in Kev's article in the Statesman. They asked uh, Kenny about going forward on fourth down. I think he went for four times ahead on all four. Mm-hmm. And he said it was very analytical driven decision. Like they, you know, they really look at the numbers and they decide, you know, what, what to call in that fourth down scenario, which is a huge difference than what Jeff Trailer says at UTSA, because he's like, I don't use analytics. I use manalytics, which, uh, <laughs> man, that makes me answers. He does. I love it. That, a lot. that makes really my, that makes my prediction so much better. I love it. All right. Yeah, yeah, right anytime, anytime a coach is like, I'm not an analytics guy. I'm like, Ugh. and then to hear Kenny say that just last week, I was like, Ooh, spicy. Moneyball math. Yep. You just go ahead and I'm cash that it. check now, I guess, right? <laughs> We're printing for money at Marcos now. What so what what would be a successful fourth down conversion percentage to you guys? Hmm. Like hypothetically speaking, end of season, GJ Kenny, his fourth down conversion percentage is blank. That like you're like, okay, yeah, no, that that was made that made sense for the analytics to go by. I think it's tough to put a blank percentage on it because the scenario matters so much. Like if you're 50%, but half those 50% were on your own side of the 50, it looks a lot worse. See, I said 75. I said, if you're, if you're hitting it 75% of the time, then you should not get to, nobody should get to complain. If it's three out of four times, you're good to go. So right now he's at a hundred percent. So UTSA game, you know, maybe he goes whatever, three or four, four or five. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm glad that we didn't see the punter. Because for the longest time, the best player on the field was the Texas State punter. And mm-hmm. now I hope that never is the case ever again. Got out Seamus O'Kelly, man. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Great name. Great name. But I'll tell you, every time I see the punter at Texas State, it drives me up the wall. Because I'm like, this should not be. I should not see you more than I see the end zone dance, you know. 75 would be crazy. If you were doing it 75% of the time, then you shouldn't be punting at all. That, if you might be the record. Or past yeah. It. yeah. I'd say, you know, if anything, 60% plus would be extremely impressive. Yeah. Um, well, you're only doing it like once a game. So odds are you're not like it's fourth and 18. Let's try to convert. You know, it's most of the time it's going to be fourth and short. So I'm hoping that, yeah, 65%, 75% of the time feels like the That's then that, again, reminder, that's to nobody gets to complain. If I see a complaint, you get blocked. That That's like the level, you know. <laughs> so. Now in the Sunbelt Conference, how are we feeling about Texas State's chances? How do we feel about being being there and, and being a contender in it? Buy the stock, man. Buy the stock right now. 
I I need to see I need to see Texas State play Southern Miss, South Alabama, Troy, one of those three, mm-hmm. and really like put points up before I can be like, yeah, no, everybody else take second place. This is our conference to win, uh, because I am a I'm a Sun Belt apologist. I will admit it. I think that this is the best Group of Five conference. And I, I really believe that the defense is what makes this conference so good that, yeah, Grayson McCall at uh, Coastal Carolina might go in the NFL draft this year. Yeah, App State has put a couple of guys in the league. But this is a defense first conference, especially in the West, especially in the West, where even a team like ULM is a pretty not a great team by any means. But defensively, they're not a team that you can just not game plan for. So if Texas State's game plan is to put 50 points on the board, I need to know how you're going to do it. So, all right, let's say hypothetically, and now God forbid this happens to you guys, and I'm not wishing ill on any UTSA fans here, but let's say Texas State wins 48-24, and it's like, holy shit, like they blew the doors off them. That's insane. Then I might come back and be like, okay, well, if they did it to UTSA, they could do it to Troy. They could do it to South or Southern Miss or something, right? But if it's like a 35-30 game, you know, UTSA is a good team, but Troy's really good at defense, you know? So that that's kind of where I'm at. I We we said before the season that our podcast is a, a firm 6-6 six and six podcast. Uh, Jacob, after a win against Baylor, have we shifted our paradigm at all? I'm still 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, our university president has said 14-0. and 0, And the only time I've never seen uh, GJ humble is post-Baylor game. He was electric. It was crazy. It, I got to, I was at McLean when all that happened. When our university president walks into the press conference room completely soaked after partying with the football team, I was like, ah, buy everything right now. Buy everything, start selling take back Texas shirts on the internet, do whatever you can to support this team. It's crazy. I don't think we're going to be 14 and 0, but I uh, definitely want to switch my record prediction for the year already. Mm. Nice. Now you got to capitalize when you're hot. Now it's time to do it. So All right, guys, well, thanks for your time. Congratulations on the big win. I'm, ex- I'm excited to watch this team. You know, I'm going to say I want UTSA to win this week, but, you know, I always root for the Texas teams, right? It's better to win against Bobcats, and then they go on and win, you know, seven, eight games or whatever. Makes the win even that much better. So looking forward to a big game this week. Thank you guys for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thank you.